Welcome to the Disruptive Mindset Podcast. Join me, Emma Jones, as we take a deep dive behind the scenes of executives and leaders in the IT and the tech industries. We'll find out about their models for success, lessons they've learned, and what makes them disruptive in their businesses and sectors, and ultimately find out how it can help us. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Disruptive Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Emma Jones, and in this episode, I'm joined by Milka Gulchuri. She's the Global Head of Operations at Cellulant, a digital payments company that operates across 36 African countries. She is a seasoned business leader with over 20 years experience in the payments industry. Milka has played a critical role in pioneering many of the innovative digital payment solutions that have become standard in the industry. In this episode, Milka will share her insights on the future of digital payments in Africa, her leadership style and the journey towards becoming a successful business leader. I'm going to kick off with the uh, first question and um, say thanks for coming on this uh, podcast with me. And what I'd really like to dive into is uh, what do we need to know about you that made you the person you are today and who's influenced you and given your, given your sort of giving you your values and your drive in life? Yeah, yes, 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 Emma. You know, I am... Um... My education experience, I always say, um, Emma is probably one of the key influences in my life. I went to boarding school at nine years old, and it was a boarding school experience that I actually instigated, you know? I literally wrote letters to both my parents at nine years old and said, this is a good idea for me to go to boarding school. I have no idea why, for some reason, it felt like it was a good idea to go to boarding school at nine years old. Uh, but I, I, I had all these older friends uh, who had gone to boarding, got all sorts of beautiful things bought for them, which I thought were beautiful at the time, to go to school with. Um, and I just loved that experience or wanted that experience, yeah. Um, and turns out that that boarding school experience went through my primary school and my high school. I was in schools that were led by nuns, yeah. Go figure. No idea why my mom chose that, but it was a good school. It was a good school. Both were good schools that I went to, but they actually influenced um, a lot of who I am today. When I really um, look back, uh, the discipline and drive um, in life in general, I think came out from the experience of having to grow up pretty fast, uh, of almost being uh, on my own in the world um, at nine years uh, at nine years and being in, you'd call it almost um, that type of environment, it gives you a lot of responsibility and discipline. And that growth and growing up pretty fast to take care of myself, I think, has really and has been a very big influence of who I am when I think about uh, my drive um, in, in life uh, overall. Um, I love to travel, Emma, a lot. I spend an inordinate amount of money doing that. Uh, but and and travel as well um i always say also came from the fact that um i had this life uh, growing up where i i spent again a lot of it in boarding school so i always used to get out of, of of school always i was in every club ever known 
uh, in school just to get out, uh, uh, out of school. And my mom always used to say that when she looks at me now, traveling and uh, everything I do there, uh, she says, you know, you started this very young. You never really wanted to stay uh, in bonding school for too long. Uh, before you had the opportunity to get out and and do something. So yeah, so when I think about my influences, Emma, generally is my life as uh, starting out very early in boarding school. Um, I grew up in a farm, uh, not in the city. Uh, so I've always had um, this feeling that um, I really have to do quite a lot to kind of uh, be who I am um, today and to continue kind of growing and um, making sure that my parents are very proud of who they brought up. And um, yeah, that, that drives me as well. My parents pride me a lot. Uh, they are both a huge influence as well in just making me um, who I am because they're also very, very influential in terms of the way they think about life and the things they've done, um, especially for their families. Yeah, so that's me in a nutshell. Nine is young, isn't it? I mean, you know, nine years old, it's sort of like, I'm only going to boarding school. That's quite unusual, really. And, and were they sort of like, yeah, absolutely, let's get you there? I mean, what, what, was, the, what was their sort of reaction to this sort of, you know, this, this sparky nine-year-old? Were they, were they we're going to go and do farming or something, but sparky nine-year-old was like, no, I want to go to boarding school. <laughs> do you know, Emma, I, I actually think I did not give them a choice. Right. So I, I actually both both of them, I wrote both of them letters. My mom's letter, I specifically told her, please make sure you convince dad that we should do this. It is a it is a it's a good thing for us to do, you know, all of us. I was so I was very young. I don't think it's something they wanted to do uh, necessarily at that time. My my siblings joke with me because after I went, I'm the second one of three. Uh, but once I went, all of them were shipped out as well <laughs> because uh, it turned out it was not actually a bad idea in terms of getting a good a good education uh, at that time. But interestingly, Emma, in, uh, in Kenya, it's actually not odd. Almost, um, at least then, anywhere between 9 and uh, 11, thereabout, people did use, or 12, people did use to go to boarding school. Okay. It's, a normal, it's a normal cultural thing. But if you, if you, I presume you have to pay for it. But if you can afford it, you you send your kids to boarding school. Exactly. So yeah. when it happens, you were with the nuns. You got this sort of education. What I mean, so you arrived out of school, and then it was like, right, okay, here's here's the role. What 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 did you do then? Yeah, yeah. So when and and you know, getting out of um out of school, uh, I would say my first pit stop was obviously um, university after high school, right? But Beyond university, my first pit stop was at um, Deloitte from a career perspective. I mean, I started my my career there. Uh, and, you know, perhaps one of my best career um, experiences, um, for sure. Mm -hmm. It really was a lot of pressure yeah. at that time. Um, but... It turned out to be something that I, you don't appreciate it when you're going through it, when you're going through it then. But the foundation that it set for me um, in really beginning to make even decisions around what I want to do from a career point of view, um, how I want to grow, um, getting and making and starting to make the decision around coming to Cellulant um, at, at that point, um, it really was um, 
an experience that 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 allowed me to be able to do that very easily. So first, uh, in in two key aspects, um, Deloitte kind of taught me the discipline of hard work. Yeah, um, they've kind of mastered that to a T. Uh, for you know, get them young and uh, squeeze them dry <laughs> in a good way. Did you go in on their grad program? Is that is that how you is that how you entered in on during their grad program? Okay. Yeah. You yes. were probably very hard, I suspect. <laughs> yes, very, 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 very hard. And that's what I'm saying. You know, when you're going through it, you think it is, oh my goodness, this cannot be uh, what work is, uh, is about. But when you get out, you actually realize how much it instills in you in terms of, of the work discipline and also um, just the ability to be almost pressure cooked in a very short time, especially for someone in my uh, in my line of work, which is <laughs> really the background is in finance, um, your pressure cooked uh, in such a short time with such a lot of experience mm -hmm. uh, that by the time, for example, I was coming to Cellulant, that experience is what Cellulant needed, right? Um, and it is the experience that literally allowed us at that point to build out the first shared services function. Uh, in uh, from a finance perspective to look after all of the 10 markets that we were in um, at the time. And you can imagine being able to do that or doing that without um, a lot of money. So you can't buy all the talent that you'd want to buy. We were doing all sorts of work with salespeople. You know, they, they need to go and sell. Then they need to come and sit down at night with Milka and get the finances uh, sorted out and understanding crazy things like balance sheets as a salesperson, um, you know, and and just being able being able to do that um, would um, would not have happened without just that pressure. I call it my pressure cooker moment uh, with Deloitte. So yeah, that's 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 that that was the world after after school and and of course now with with Celluland. Yeah, and it's quite interesting, isn't it? So you've gone into their grad program and they pressure cook you, which I love that. I mean, I just love that whole image of being pressure cooked. But do, do, you, do you feel that you knew yourself after you'd been through? I mean, I, I'd imagine it was quite a few years, but do you felt you sort of knew what your what your sort of overall skill set was? So we cut you in half and you go, well, I know I'm good at this and this and that and that and the other. Yeah, no, not not not, not really, Emma. It, um, interestingly, I think I always wanted to be a lawyer, number one. I loved history. Mm -hmm. um, I love I love talking. Um, I'm, I'm loud. Uh, so people always believe that um, I would have made for a good lawyer, uh, maybe a good journalist because I'm, I'm adventurous as well, a little. <laughs> uh, I try that uh, as well. So the actually falling into um, going into Deloitte or getting into eventually lunch and the different things I've done. Um, I always say actually to this day, Emma, that I'm still discovering myself, right? Um, I think it's a it's a journey, it's a long journey. And in fact, I loved the day it kind of dawned on me that I really don't have to be always a hundred percent sure of what that thing is, that I can literally just being open to the fact that I am still discovering myself. And as long as the space I am in at that point in my life makes sense for that point, and it allows me to be growing and doing the things I need to do. Um, yeah, I've come to be more comfortable with the fact that I will evolve and I'm evolving, and um, it's okay to be evolving and and to do that. I think I think it's even more adventurous, really. 
Yeah, so, so what I'm hearing is you're okay with ambiguity. Do you think that comes with age? Do you think that comes with a little bit? Because I think when you're a bit younger, you don't necessarily have that, you know, that, that sort of, oh, I'm okay with this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. One, it comes with age. Um, it also comes with going through life enough to to realize that um, there will always be something more, more about your life in another two years, in another five years. Um, and it can't be and will never be as straight jacketed as you might think, right? Um, you will you will do the best with what you have in the moment that you have it. You generally have a, a good idea about what you love, what you like as you as you continue to uh, to really discover yourself. Um, but in fact, uh, I've even become um, almost very clear, Emma, that I never label it even with a job or with roles, but more from a perspective of what really does make me happy. And for me, it's um, startup-ish types of things. I love to build, right? Um, I love to build. Uh, I like people. Um, I like uh, working on things that I am the one setting the pace around what should be done, right? Um, rather than having it and finding it built in its entirety. And then if if you kind of have a good sense that that's what keeps you happy, um, then it doesn't matter what you call the role and it doesn't matter what the job is. It just needs to have those boxes ticked kind of. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I want to fast forward ourselves mm-hmm. to this stage because you've been voted the top, in, in the top 25 women leaders in the financial technology industry, which is, you know, Amazing. Um, you know, how does it feel to be leading the way for the next generation? Yeah, both a privilege and a huge responsibility, Emma. Both a privilege and a huge responsibility. Um, I kind of always, um, I, when that happened last year, I kind of um, went like, oh my goodness. Um, what a privilege to know that all the hard work um, that I've put in in my career um, so far can you know, first be recognized, but also encourage um, somebody, um, a young lady, a young man, doesn't matter, somewhere that, you know, there's, there's no ceiling that is ever high enough for you not to reach. Um, they, you can reach whatever it is that that you want to do. Uh, but also a huge responsibility to continue uh, really making a difference, especially in the people that I interact with on a daily basis. Yeah, um, I... I'm a firm believer in being a constant learner from people, but also being that people should feel that they've learned something from you as well um, through the interactions that you you kind of have had with them. So yeah, it's been both a privilege and a huge responsibility to kind of uh, have that. Bring, bring the new, bring the new generation on. You know, I mean, you, you've had a you've had quite a strong sort of you know large corporate. Then then you've come into um, you know one of the four sort of top large, large consultancies. And how important was the experience and the grounding that you got there before you took this challenge of going into and joining a startup? You know, because that, that's quite gutsy. You know, you're almost, you're a large company, you're doing really, really well. Deloitte, it's a big known name. Then a startup comes up in FinTech in Kenya. You know, talk, talk, talk me through that decision and, you know, and, and what it was like. Yeah, trust me, the, the natural of it, first of all, is that it was actually a very scary decision. Um, it was 
I mean, it's it's almost what now, 11 years ago, um, Thailand and even technology wasn't what it is today in general um, in the in the continent. Um, and so when I really got the opportunity to uh, to do this work, I remember that one of the key things that really, really um, made me happy or just me was talking to Ken, the founder, and he had a big dream, <laughs> a big dream for Cellulant, a big dream for Africa, and just this audacious intent to build a business which from then to now always kept saying that, you know, um, Africa needs to be built by Africa and that we have so much capacity as Africans and the ability to really do well um, that you almost want to build this company that makes sure that that story is real and can be seen and is visible and that you can build a company that is so big that you will never get confused when you sort of were told that that happened, that you would never get confused as somebody who's looking at it from an outside perspective, that it is actually possible and doable. Um, so, so that was you know, exciting to listen to for, for sure. Um, and despite the fact that that was exciting by itself, I mean, Emma, I had mentors at that time who were like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? Why would you leave Deloitte? For a, you know, locally started business, <laughs> so to speak. Why are you even living? They actually advised against it. But I, I always say, um, I think it was, just what, what those one thing that, that that one time where your gut speaks rather than anything else. You're just I, I had no idea what the future looked like. I had no idea what this technology company would do. I had no idea what that journey would would be. I was almost kind of clear what my journey in Deloitte could look like, um, but it just felt right. It really just felt right. So you used your gut. Yep. You're like, yeah, I'm doing this jump. And you jumped in. So I don't know whether you can do this, but could you sum up the last sort of 10, 11 years, right? Good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a long, interesting journey with many, 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 many stories. Uh, but, you know, I I really have had an incredible journey with Cellulance, right? Um, it's been incredible. Um, I've done and been involved in almost um, three full departments, you know? Um, I mean, I've looked after finance as CFO. Um, I've gone into operations as COO. Um, I now look after growth. Um, growth for us is a mix of the people team and the strategy team. Um, and it was an interesting, uh, different role because it was this role where we were kind of trying to plan and think about the business from a futuristic perspective. So thinking about what are the strategic choices, planning, uh, if we need funding, how does it look like, why to do what? Um, but also the fact that in order to do that for a business like Cellulant, um, you really do it with with people right um you you have to be well organized and doing the right things with uh with people um in the right areas in order to really grow as a as a business um so i've had 
um, what I always say is almost a dream job for the last 11 years. Um, you know, having been involved in finance at that time and really building finance um, from scratch almost, you know, we started with four or five people uh, from a really people who could were qualified finance people grew that team into a 40 um, into a 40 member team uh, across the group. We raised money series A, series B, series C uh, across that period. And trust me, Emma, you know, raising money a couple of years ago was not what it is in Africa today. Yeah, it uh, um, as it, it, money wasn't getting thrown at you um, as much uh, those days. And then just really building out the business uh, despite not having enough cash and uh, figuring out where do you invest, why do you invest. And um, the business grew, right? Um, it grew from um, now we have 18 markets where we are physically, um, another 35 where we offer service um, service presence and really growing. Um, staff now are almost 450 from 100. So it's, it's, it was, it's, it's really been an exciting journey for me from a personal perspective. And I've had the privilege of literally writing my JDs over that whole period of time and getting the support to really um, do what I sort of felt was interesting, relevant, and was helping me grow while still also um, helping the organization grow. I tell people all the time that um, even at work and the guys I work with that um, when I discovered the secret of working for yourself, which means that uh, figure out what is it that you want to do from a growth perspective, what's exciting for you to grow, um, pick that up in the or in the organization and then do it. Cellulant will benefit, but you'll benefit the most, right? And if you're benefiting the most, you really are working for yourself. You're not actually working for the yeah. business. Yeah. I think it's I think it's a really good way to go. So tell so tell me a little bit about Celine and 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 tell me, I mean you're flat on how important has it been in Africa um to have a single sort of digital payment platform. I mean, you know, because that that's why you moved in, because you bought into that story of, you know. It's sort of a real sustainability story in helping Africa. So how important has it been? You're 11 years on now. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I mean, super, 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 super important, um, Emma. My favorite statement on this one always is that, you know, Africa is not a United States of Africa, right? It's 54 sovereign nations that run independently. That means, you know, different currencies, different regulation, uh, different customer needs to some extent, right? Because again, uh, people just um, operate um, differently. And then, you know, top that off with the fact that to make payments in the continent, not everyone is banked. So not everybody is going to be making payments online. Uh, we generally, the majority of people who are digital, you'd say have mobile wallets majorly where they uh, they would store the cash. A lot of these uh, markets in the continent have, you know, two to three only a few exceptions like Kenya would have one uh, very dominant, but a lot of these markets have two to three that are uh, are operating. And all of those have different nuances. So from a payments perspective, um, and when you think about it as a merchant, this is, a, it's a real nightmare really for anyone who wants to, to pay or get paid uh, in the continent. It's not that seamless. It's not just one connection. You have to put all of these 
payment uh, methods and payment types together in different markets, markets with all those different uh, regulations and jurisdictions. So our work at Cellulan simply is we make that madness simple, right? And we make it easier for a merchant uh, who works with Cellulant to be able to operate in all of those markets and have ability to pay out and pay in um, and do so through one API. Get settled at a pre-agreed time because remember, uh, you can all of the all of these payment methods are settling you at different times. They're doing so in different currencies because the currencies are also different a, 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 across the continent. Mm. So we simplify that by giving you one API. Uh, we settle you at a pre-agreed time. We settle you at your currency of uh, of choice, and then we allow you to actually do that both online and in store. So if you're providing a service um, on a website or on an app, we are able to support you on that. Uh, we're also able to support you if you have uh, some stores online, everything from OMCs to even airlines that have stores uh, in the uh, online uh, to uh, the uh, things like uh, ride-hailing companies, airlines, all these guys are our, are our customers. And we then partner with banks and mobile network operators to make that happen mm. um, and to serve mainly today large customers. Uh, so uh, mainly enterprise customers, global, regional, and uh, local, and local merchants. So we really sit at the nexus, Emma, of digitizing payments ecosystem in the continent. Um, and it's been great seeing that just rise. If I think about it 10 years ago and now, and everything that is happening in the continent when it comes to fintech and payments and um, digita digitizing everything um, in that spectrum of, of work that one could do. Um, it's been amazing. It's been amazing watching that happen. Mm -hmm. And it's been amazing watching the people that have had the opportunity to work on that mm -hmm. um, as well. And then really being able to to grow as as people and to, to really love that experience. Yeah, you've got in right at the right time really to watch all of huge growth. And you've really been a disruptor. You know, you've come in and you've disrupted and, you know, looking back sort of 11 years on, you know, you've grown, you've done all the things, you know, you're like, you're like a dream investment. <laughs> yeah. oh, Jared, it's a, it's a, if somebody was looking to go into fintech, you know, so you're sitting in this nice corporate, you've come in, et cetera, and someone's looking to come into going, you know, this is a startup, this is a fintech or whatever. Um, what would your advice be to them? Yeah. My my advice would be, do it by all means, right? Um, you know, if I if I look back at again my experience um, here uh, at Celluland, I mean, I've I managed and I've managed to do um, to get a lot of experience that is in a in in a, in a short time, right? And you do that because when a startup, um, when you get in at the right time on a, in a startup. Then you have all this, I mean, the world is your oyster, right? You can you can write that book in whichever way that uh, you'd like you'd like to do it. Um, and because businesses at that point are they're really not caged by what you'd say are hard and fast rules, because the business is is growing um, and there are all sorts of exciting things happening. Um, you can literally uh, move in whichever department you, you want to. You can experiment as much as, as you want. Um, but, you know, either way, I, I do always say that look at what you'd call the trifactor. You know, if you're judging whether 
this is a good thing to do. Look at, you know, what I'd call the trifactor. The first thing is that who is your boss and do they generally care about the work that the company is doing? Because, you know, is it just a job they're doing or do they really care, genuinely care about the work that the company is doing and the work that they are doing? And I think you can get that from just talking to whoever is employing you and being diligent about doing that. And then number two is that is the company in an actual industry that is growing because you'll definitely grow as a result, right? So it can't just be any startup. It's a startup where you've actually done some bit of research to see, okay, this is an industry that um, seems to be headed somewhere. You may not have all the answers, right? 10 years ago, there were some snippets that technology was going to be interesting. You didn't know how far, but there were some snippets on that. And then the third, um, again, I always say is that, you know, do you also love figuring things out? perhaps often from scratch because, you know, nothing is built in a startup. Yeah. <laughs> and nothing, nothing is built in a startup. So if you, if, you like, if you like nice, lovely boxes where, you know, everything is spelled out about how, what needs to be done, you will not enjoy the job, right? Um, but if you love figuring things out, uh, you like to build from scratch, you like to be your own boss and do your stuff, you're going to have a wonderful time in a startup. Yeah. yeah. You'll have the, the energy for it, I, I, I think. But yeah, no, that, that's really useful, I think, to people. So I always have to throw a diversity question in here. And I've been reading the um, WSC, which is the sort of Women's Working Group for Change, um, you know, sort of women women from Africa, the financial industry. So doubling down on the gender diversity. This was published in 2021. Um, yes. Have you seen the needle move? I know obviously we've had COVID and we, we've had stuff in the way, but have you seen the me needle move? Um, and if so, how far? Yeah. You know, we are, we are, I think we're sitting in interesting times for sure. Um, and I would say the needle is definitely moving for one, right? I think for one, the, the needle is definitely moving. There, there are way more examples of women um, holding key positions in businesses across different sectors, not just in technology, but across different sectors. Um, there's a lot of progress being made in governments as well. Um, and governance is important, right? And especially in the continent, governance is important. And it's both a good mix of the private and uh, public sector doing the right things that, that will change things. But on the other hand, Emma, there's still also a lot of work to be done, right? All sorts of uh, biases still remain, um, not just um, on many levels, um, do you still have uh, the right type of representation of women in, in both? Um, in my view, many governments um, have to almost legislate female positions to ensure that the parity is there rather than them getting elected, um, you know, since it's unlikely that they would be voted in. Um, and again, especially in some areas um, in the continent. But nonetheless, I think we the the steps in the right direction are definitely happening and we are certainly much further than than we were in a couple of years ago um and a lot of work still to to get done so lots of progress but also lots of work um to, to get done as well yeah i mean do i do, do you think any one thing if you could put your hand on it would move the needle for for diversity needle i mean it's obviously going to come from you know, we've got to get everyone involved and it comes from top down and, you know, often. Um, but is there any one thing that you could put your finger on that you would say, move it? Yeah, you know, I 
I think what I've seen a lot, and maybe it was a couple of years uh, where I I had this comment in a, in a different setting mm. where somebody said that the reason that, especially when we think about diversity from a female male perspective rather than, than um, anything else, that men do support each other a bit more than women do, right? Um, for whatever reason, you know, I, and I don't know why that um, continues to kind of be, um, you'd say, a topic. And I think that, and the good news is that because people have, be we especially as women have become so conscious about it, I do get and see a lot of that in terms of, of how do we actually support each other happening. So I would say more of that will definitely move the needle and more of that will definitely get us to, um, at least on the diversity bit from a female male perspective, I think. Um, will will definitely help and will continue to to create the right difference over time. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm hearing you on that. So it's more collaboration. No, I agree with that actually entirely. Yeah, really interesting. Um, so what's the biggest misconception that people have? I always ask this question, but what's the biggest mis misconception that people have around your about your field of work? Yeah, especially well, when you think about the fintech payment space that I'm in, um, to hone in on that. There's so much noise in the continent, especially now, um, that one would think that the work is done, right? Um, that they, there's no more space for work to, to, for, to do much. But surprisingly, we are very far from getting uh, done, right? Um, cash remains today, Emma, in the continent, as the largest competitor for any payments business, we are still 90% of transactions, especially in retail, still happening in cash yeah. in the continent, mm -hmm. right? Um, so there's a lot to be done and there's so much space to digitize in the continent. Mm -hmm. So continuing to invest, not just in businesses that are uh, trying to uh, get things running across different sectors of payments, uh, continues, continuing to invest in good talent, to ensure that um, the continent not only um, has the right talent to grow these businesses, but also in good governance mm. to keep to keep that right talent in the continent to really, really grow the continent. Because if you really look at digitizing and uh, look at uh, how what the impact it has on economies mm -hmm. and how much difference it can make in especially this continent and in building it and growing it further, right? And getting it really to utilize all the wonderful resources it has and all the wonderful ta talent it has, then we can really be able to harness um, a lot of progress and build out business opportunities, employment for its young talent um, all across board. So I'd say still a lot of work to be done um, despite the noise um, that is all over the continent and especially the payment space, we 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 have barely scratched the surface, and there's there's, there's much to be done. Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? You know, so on one hand, we've got all this work to do, and you're absolutely right. You know, payments with digital, with joined up thinking, etc. Et and then on the other hand, you've got sort of like AI and GPT. 
you know, just going absolutely mad. So you've got this really aggressive sort of side over here, but then it's actually, no, 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 we need this back end to catch up, you know, on the digital payment side. No, I'm, I'm absolutely hearing it. So last question for you. So um, who's the one person you would like to recommend or see on this podcast? Wow, that one was a, is an easy one, Emma. Uh, a very unique entrepreneur that I've known for a long while. Um, Rachel, you don't know her, so I would, I would have to introduce you to her. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Rachel. Uh, but, you know, a very interesting entrepreneur, um, <laughs> a former teacher who, who later built a career in the insurance industry then decided to move from the insurance in industry and self-taught herself in coding. And then is now a founder of two tech startups that she runs, you know, one to digitize small business uh, transactions uh, in the continent and the other in female health, actually. Um, so it's, it's, you know, exciting work that uh, she's doing, always been inspiring um, for me. That is brilliant. Thank you so much indeed. Listen, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. It was a brilliant conversation. I absolutely loved it. Thank you, Emma. Thank you for your time and thank you for, for inviting me. Um, I appreciated the, the conversation and talking to you. <laughs>